So this is, this is an incredible honor for me today. Uh, I've been attending or a member of Redeemer for about three to four years now, so uh, getting the opportunity to, to preach here is, is, is a great honor. So just thank uh, Aaron and the elders for entrusting me with this today. Um, so we are taking a break from our, uh, from our series on the life of David that Aaron's been taking us through, and we're going to be talking about uh, God's will for our lives and the obstacles that get in our way. So if you want to turn uh, to Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15 through 17, uh, we'll be jumping around a little bit, but our drive home passage today uh, is going to be that section. So uh, before we look at God's will for our life, we, we are going to be looking at the obstacles. So Um, If everyone's there, we'll also have the words up on the screen. I'll go ahead and read. Uh, So Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, and not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Uh, so something about me, I, I really enjoy uh, board games and group games, uh, you know, things like Monopoly, Settlers of Catan, uh, Mafia, and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that always frustrates me as, as I've played over the years with different groups of people is uh, a lot of people like to cheat in a very sneaky uh, and upfront way. They like to say, these are my house rules, right? Um, I think Monopoly and Uno are probably the two biggest victims to this, uh, and it, it always frustrates me. Um, but I, I was thinking back to a time uh, when I was in middle school. My brother was in town uh, for Christmas break. My brother's much older than I am, so we didn't really grow up uh, together playing games. But uh, we were both bored, wanting to wanting to play something or do something. And I don't know if it was because I was homeschooled, but I was like really into Scrabble at the time. So you know, I was like, hey, let's play Scrabble. You can play that one on one. And so. Uh, we start playing, and, and things are, <clears throat> you know, the game's just progressing, and we're getting close to the end, and on one section of the board, there is a blank space, uh, an eye, uh, another blank space, and then like an E or something like that, and my brother puts down S next to the eye, um, and he says, it's your turn, and I was like very confused, because I was like, S-I, like that's not, that's not a word, and he says, yes, it is, it's C, uh, and I was like, like the Spanish word C for yes, and he was like, exactly, and uh, I was confused because we were both English speakers. We don't speak Spanish at all. Um, And and by the rules of Scrabble, you have to play by whatever language you speak. And so I explained this to him. And he uh, he says, well, the way that I've always played, and that's the classic line, if you ever want to know if someone is trying to get something over on you, right? If if someone's trying to, to bend the rules in some way, they say, the way I've always played is that, you know, uh, you know, you can use any word, uh, even if it's a foreign language word, if everyone knows it. So like C, hola, we, stuff like that. And this led to us arguing uh, for about 30 minutes. We didn't finish the game. Uh, everyone in our house was, was angry at us because, you know, we had spent all this time yelling. Uh, and it's actually, it's funny, I, I looked this week because uh, I was like, I need to actually check and make sure SI is not a valid word. It actually is a valid word in Scrabble, not for the reason my brother was saying for, for Spanish, but it is a valid word. So that was kind of humbling. But uh, I, I tell this story, I talk about, I talk about, uh, about house rules because I think in the real world, in our, in our real lives, uh, if we're not careful, we can end up, we can end up uh, you know, following the same line of thinking. Um, and if we look in Scripture uh, uh, to a group of, of characters that are in specifically the Gospels, but, but elsewhere in the New Testament, 
if we look at the Pharisees, right, they are, um, you know, these, these just bad guys. They're, they're the main antagonists to Jesus' ministry here on earth, right? And, and growing up in church, I've, I've always read about them and, and read them in, in passages, and, but I've never really thought about what is their motivation, right? Why are they the way that they are? Are they just bad for the sake of being bad? And so in doing some research in this, I came across a commentary that was talking uh, you know, kind of answering this question, and, and it states that through their reading and, and interpretations of the law, their interpretations increasingly emphasized external adherence to the law rather than cultivating an attitude of submission before God. So obeying their own interpretation became a source of pride instead of an expression of love for God. And then uh, if we look in Acts 15, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts 15, uh, there's a story of uh, these new believers, these Gentile believers being told that, hey, you must be circumcised in order to be saved. And the, the Pharisees jump on this bandwagon. They tell them, you know, in order to fulfill the law of Moses, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And, and so we see here uh, in that passage, and we see elsewhere, um, the Pharisees trying to live spiritually by their own house rules, right? They're trying to set the terms for how uh, things should be going. And so after reading that, uh, that commentary, after reading that passage, because of that, I no longer just read them as antagonists anymore, but instead started to ask myself, do I act this way or how do I act this way? Because we may not be necessarily telling people they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved. I, I really hope none of us are going out telling people they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. That'd be very weird. But um, we can fall victim to the same line of thinking as the Pharisees. Um, and, and their issue, their, their line of thinking was that of spiritual pride. So that brings me to our first point today, which is one of the biggest obstacles for believers in living our lives in pursuit of God's will is spiritual pride. Uh, the great theologian Jonathan Edwards, he said in an essay he wrote on spiritual pride, the first and worst cause of error that prevails in our day is spiritual pride. This is the main door by which the devil comes into the hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of Christ. And, and my quick definition today is, uh, of spiritual pride is, is is living our lives on our own terms or by those house rules, right? Instead of in submission to God, it is thinking we are above people, things, situations, sins, even. And, and so, of course, we can paint a more broader stroke saying that sin is the biggest obstacle in our lives. But I think, as we'll see, spiritual pride can make us not even realize that we're struggling uh, with sin. And so, some examples I have of spiritual pride. The first one I think we can all relate to probably at some point or another uh, is comparison. Um, this, this can look like saying, you know, my sin isn't as bad as someone else's, um, or it can be building ourselves up, right? Being boastful, conceited, or arrogant, thinking that you are a better Christian or, or, or you know, more important than someone else. And, and I think with comparison, uh, we, can, we can also fall victim uh, by comparing our sin to someone else's by rationalizing or excusing our sin, right? So even if we're not directly comparing our sin to someone else's, we can say things like, yes, I struggle with uh, pornography, but at least I'm not actually cheating on my wife or my husband. Yes, I you know, lose my temper with my children and yell at them a little bit too much, but at least I'm not hitting them. Uh, yes, I maybe drink a little too often, but at least I'm not doing drugs or anything like this. And, and what we're doing, uh, we're avoiding an important part of the Christian walk, which is repentance and confession of sin. Uh, no sin is too small uh, or, or not bad enough for us to confess and repent of. 
Um, every sin that we commit is, is an act of disobedience towards God. So if we are not um, in the practice of confessing and repenting of those sins and instead rationalizing and excusing them and saying, oh, that's not, that's not that bad, or I've been doing good lately, I don't, I don't really need to, to worry about that, that is, that is an issue of spiritual pride. The next one is, is fault-finding. This is looking at someone's faults and sins over the good that God is doing within them. Uh, I think we can look at Luke 6, 41. Jesus says, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye, right? Um, this, is, this can also look like when people receive things like uh, blessings or, or job promotions or things like that, and instead of being grateful for them on their behalf, we maybe try to tear them down and say, oh, they got this because of you know this reason, you know, and, and trying to just tear them down because we're insecure or we're jealous or we think that maybe we are more deserving of that than they are. Um, and that goes back to just thinking that we, we should never be thinking that we are above any, anybody else. Uh, the next one is focusing on what you can get out of something. So this is only doing things that benefit you. Uh, this, this can look like uh, with serving or giving uh, only what's convenient or only when, uh, when you'd like to. And this is not me saying that, oh, you know, everyone here, everyone needs to be serving more and giving more. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we need to look into our heart of hearts and make sure that am I doing this just because it's convenient or because I feel like I'm supposed to, or am I doing this out of joy and out of abundance, right? Am I avoiding uh, sacrifice? And I think oftentimes we can we can see needs that need to be met, and you might just think, oh, someone else can handle that, or that might, that makes me a little bit too uncomfortable. I don't want to I don't want to handle that, and so we're avoiding things only when it's it's convenient for us. The next one is focusing on how you're viewed by everyone. So this is only doing things for attention. Uh, quick confession time. Uh, I work for a camp called Camp Fuego, and it's a, it's a ministry that I love. I work for full time and have served there over the summers. And in 2018, uh, at the beginning of camp, we were doing this kids camp. And uh, there was this little girl uh, that uh, during an activity that was really shy and reserved, she was just standing off to the side. And so kind of walked over there and just started talking to her and, and squatted down and you know, eventually got her involved into the activity. And so, uh, you know, I just went on without my day, didn't think about it much. But then so, someone showed me a picture that they had taken uh, of me, you know, talking to this little girl. And my first initial thought was, this is a great picture. I can't wait to post this on social media. And, and I was single at the time. I wasn't dating uh, my wife, Riley. And so, of course, I was like, the ladies are going to love this. This is so adorable. And so that whole summer, not just from that, from that point on, that whole summer I became so wrapped up in trying to, to make myself look good and to get pictures and, and to, to seem more important and, and that what I was doing was more valuable than, uh, than really focusing in on my ministry and focusing on serving the Lord. I became so wrapped up in, in wanting people to think just so highly of me. Um, and then the last one is, is presumption before God. This is uh, when we approach God without humility. Uh, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, um, you know, I think we can really look at this story and say that, you know, we can fill in the blank for all of, all of these for, for that Pharisee. Um, but the main one I want to focus in on right now is, you know, the Pharisee comes into the temple and, and he and he is just very boastful about himself and is bragging about himself. And he's thinking, you know, thank goodness I'm not like that tax collector. And I think we need to remember that, 
yes, we are able to freely approach the throne of God, and, and that is a right that has been given to us by Jesus and by the work of the cross. Um, so we must remember that that is the only reason why we're able to approach the throne freely. freely. It's not because of what we've done, or it's not because of anything, any good deeds that we've done, or anything like that. Um, so we must remember that as we are approaching the throne, to approach with humility. And so, uh, you know, as, as we read, as we, you know, go through all these examples, uh, it cuts me uh, whenever I read them. There are a lot of things that I see that I'm like, okay, I need, I need to work on that, definitely. Like, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. And so I hope um, that if we're being objective and honest with ourselves, we can see those as well. And so my application for this point is that we must pursue humility and God's will for our lives. So we must guard against spiritual pride by remembering that salvation is by grace alone and by maintaining both faith and fear before God. So, you know, what does pursuing God's will really look like. Um, so throughout the leadership residency, me and Matt, it's been such a blessing on our lives. Um, we've been educated on, on so many different things. And um, and one of the books that we read uh, is this book called What's Best Next by Matt Perman. And this, this book really impacted me. Um, there was um, just so much that I, I need to hear in that book. And the subtitle of the book is, is How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done. And so it kind of discusses and covers this topic of what is God's will for my life? Because I think we can often look, uh, we can look at God's will and, and we ask ourselves for the big picture things, right? You know, if we're in college, what is, what is my major? What is my career path? What should I take this job? Who should I marry? Um, you know, should I buy a house? Should I have kids? And, and all these things. And it's not a bad thing that we ask God, you know, what is your will for our life in this way? But I think too often we neglect what is God's will for my life in the day to day? You know, what is God's will for my life today? What is God's will for my life this week? And so uh, Perman in his book explains very simply what God's will for our life is. He says, go about all the things you already do, but in faith. That is for the glory of God and the good of others. And, and that is God's will for us, is that our lives are about the glory of God and the good of others. And so my second point today is, is practice your faith in everyday life. Look different than the world. Um, he he kind of talks in the book about this idea of the everyday life versus the spiritual life, right? So over here in, in our everyday life box, we have our, you know, our jobs, our families, our school, our friends, uh, interests, hobbies, passions, and all of that over here nice and neat in our everyday life box. And then over here in our spiritual life box, we have our, our D groups, our, our, our small groups, our uh, Sunday morning service, our prayer time, devotional time, right? And so most of the time what we're doing is we're just kind of meandering around with this everyday life box and dealing with that. And then, oh, okay, now it's time for the spiritual life box. Let me pick that up. And then we put that down once, you know, Sunday morning is over, once our D group is over, whatever. And then we go back to our everyday life box. And this is just not how we are supposed to live our lives as believers. This, we're called to live much greater. If we go back to Ephesians 5, let's, let's look at the text. Let's look at what Paul says. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Another translation says how you live. And so Paul's not just talking about, you know, pay careful attention then to how you go to church or to how you go to your D group or you pray. No, he's talking about everything that's within our lives. This is how we live our lives. It says, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. And another translation says, making the most of every opportunity. And I really like that translation because 
I think too often, um, you know, if we're thinking practically about our lives, you know, we have all these things in our everyday life box. We, we can become so distracted and focused in on that. Um, but if we think about what we've been, what we're offered and what we're, uh, you know, promised in heaven, we're promised, you know, riches, uh, glorious inheritance beyond our wildest imagination. So more than anything we could ever attain here on earth. And so we shouldn't become so focused and distracted on, on what we can attain or accomplish or all these different things in our everyday life box because we've been promised heaven and, and so much greater. So the purpose for our lives, the reason why God doesn't just take us up whenever we get saved is to practice God's will, which is focusing on the glory of God and for the good of others. And so every opportunity, everything that is in our everyday life box, those are opportunities for us to make the most of, to pursue after God's will. Um, and, and the reason why we live this way is because of Jesus. It's a, it's a classic Sunday school answer, but it's, it's Jesus. We model what he did for us and the life that he lived for us. If, if we look from everything that Jesus did from his from his birth to his life, his ministry, his, his death, his burial and resurrection, everything was focused on those two things. It was focused on the glory of God and the good of others. And I think, you know, I look back, after I read that book, it really uh, kind of showed me a lot, of, a lot of things that I need to work on in my life. And I think back to my time in college, um, how many classrooms I went through, and trust me, there were a lot. I graduated in five and a half years, so many classrooms that I went through. Uh, where I was just holding on, holding firm to that everyday life box and, and just focusing on, on what I could accomplish or, or what, you know, what I was going to be doing with my life eventually. And then I would put it down and, and walk to BCM or, or go to church and go to my small group and, and grab that spiritual life box. And I, I just think back, there's so many times, so many opportunities missed because I was so focused and distracted on my everyday life, or, or I, was, I was impacted by spiritual pride and, and trying to live on my own house rules, right? And so um, my final question uh, is, is, is really an application. How, it's are you living your life according to God's will, or are you allowing the everyday life to distract you? Um, and a follow-up is also, you know, are you allowing spiritual pride into your life and living by your own house rules? Um, you know, as we close today, I just want to encourage us uh, to go about this week and look for those everyday life opportunities. Look where you are able to have opportunities to pursue God's will, which is the glory of God and for the good of others, because that's, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's, that's the life we're called to live. And so be looking, be on guard uh, against spiritual pride and be looking after doing those two things, bringing glory to God and doing good for others. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you so much uh, for, for everything that you've done for us, for everything that you've given us. And, and Lord, I just pray that we can, we can be a church and, and a group of people that are, are focused on doing your will, uh, on, on bringing glory to you and, and for doing good to others, that we would not avoid sacrifice, that we would not just do what is convenient, uh, Lord, but we would go above and beyond uh, seeking how we can bring you glory and how we can do good for others. I pray uh, that we can guard against spiritual pride, that we can pursue after humility, pursue after um, the things that you've called us uh, to do and, and the way that you've called us to live. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.